0: Hello, Adulting with ADHD fam. Sarah here with an announcement. This summer, we're hitting replay on some of our all-time favorite episodes. And as always, if you want to catch them all, visit patreon.com slash adultingwithadhd. ADHD. This is the Adulting with ADHD podcast, self-empowerment for people with ADHD. Today I'm very excited to have with me Candace Baker. She is a therapist specializing in trauma.
1: Candace, wonderful to have you today. So very happy to be here. Thank you for having me.
0: First off, we should talk a little bit about your background. We we just spoke a little bit about how you see a lot of patients with ADHD and or trauma, is that right?
1: That is correct. Yes. So I've been in practice for give or take 15 years. It's been an interesting ride. I started out in addictions, surprisingly, and just converted over to mental health. And then my career path has just developed into ADHD and trauma.
0: Is that a function of the kind of patients you've been getting that your specialties has evolved like that?
1: Yeah. Pretty much. Yes. I'm in private practice now. So that seems to be mostly what is coming to me and I don't do a lot of advertising. So I'm, I'm certain that is word of mouth that people are like, Hey, she's good with these things. That's why it keeps coming to me.
0: That That's awesome. So yeah, so you would be the perfect person to ask for this. So what is the relationship between ADHD and trauma?
1: So I You gave me the questions ahead of time, so I'm going to read a little snippet of a book that I have, and it's 100 100 questions and answers, and it's actually more directed towards women and girls, but it was relevant to that question of what is the significance. So it says, the symptoms of someone who has experienced an early trauma are extremely difficult to distinguish from those of ADHD. Because of this similarity, a diagnosis based on a behavioral assessment alone is extremely challenging. In response to repeated trauma, a girl without ADHD in an effort to protect herself often becomes attuned to adult behaviors that may be threatening or lead to violence. Hypervigilance allows this girl to scan her environment for threats. This hypervigilance can mimic hyperactivity or inattentiveness in school because she is more focused on distractions like the teacher's face or another child's movements than her schoolwork. A door slamming closed may trigger a fight-or-flight response that a teacher may perceive as aggressive or defiant. Since both ADHD and trauma result in strikingly similar behaviors, it makes sense that some victims of early trauma are incorrectly diagnosed as having ADHD. Abuse is, however, commonly seen in the history of girls with ADHD, while it makes sense that when the two conditions co-occur, they could exacerbate one another, making the situation worse. There is no research that demonstrates this hypothesis at the time. Now, this book was written by Dr. Patricia O'Quinn. She's very well versed in ADHD. So that was 2011, and it hasn't changed a whole lot over the last 12 years.
0: Wow.
1: That's- Not surprising. Exactly. And this is just evaluating women and girls. So if you look at the population as a whole, then we have a whole nother bundle of research to deal with.
0: Absolutely. Oh my goodness. So that that actually brings me to the next question very naturally. Uh, why is it so important to have trauma-informed
1: care? To understand the difference between because like I said, I get a lot of clients with trauma and ADHD. So let me correlate a little bit cl- yeah. more closely so usually with ADHD it's not it's highly hereditary we won't say that it is guaranteed but it's highly hereditary so what does that lead to parents with behavioral patterns that may not be mature for children because they tend to have children earlier when we are still in the growth development pattern so what are we creating trauma small traumas I could go into big t trauma little t trauma but that's a whole nother conversation sort of yeah but The thing is, what it amounts to is a lot of little t trauma, which creates the same symptomology. And so why is it important to have this practitioner? Because they can help you begin to develop and understand and part out what you're dealing with pretty much.
0: Wow, that's the the big t, little t just has my ADHD mind going off. And oh, my gosh, that's a whole (laughs) other episode.
1: (laughs) Yes, it is.
0: um, Yeah, but that that tracks so much. I'm actually dealing um, with the ADHD diagnosis process with my daughter, and I can't imagine how different this would be if I hadn't been diagnosed already.
1: Yes, because I was diagnosed at 34. I didn't say that. That's really, (laughs) yeah, so it was like my career, really, ADHD was living out in my life. I had late starting in college, started college, dropped yeah. out because of grade failure. And then, so when I finally got back in at 24, 25, I went straight through, I got two undergrad degrees and a master's degree pretty quickly. Yeah. But at that time I lost my dad, which kind of will go into big T, little T trauma, which caused an explosion in my brain. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, um, Between grad school and when I was diagnosed, I let my license lapse. I just did not care. I was about at the point where I was in that lost phase. But thankfully, I had gotten married to my husband. Something's not the same. And we had been together for years. So I went and talked to my doctor. I'm like, I'm having anxiety. He's like, Candace. And he had been my doctor since I was 16. So it was very helpful to have someone that was familiar with me because he's seeing these ups and downs for years. And he started asking me questions and having been familiar with therapy, I already knew what he was assessing me for. I was in denial. I knew it. I knew it. I knew it. I went and got tested. He started treating me and he's still my provider now and working very effectively. But, oh, my gosh, like hmm, me having ADHD. And I have a seven-year-old and we haven't gone full on. It's a conversation I'm having with her pediatrician, but teaching her the adaptive coping skills to understand strong emotions are normal. Let's learn how to take deep breaths. Let's learn how to take pauses. Let's learn how to do these things. And I'm thankful for COVID personally, because my private practice started right before COVID hit and I'm now homeschooling. She's in first grade and we are very successful here at home. So
0: that's wonderful. That is one of the many mixed blessings I've also identified is more time in with her to help her cope before she gets yeah. out. Of yeah. Yes. That's amazing. So a lot of your patients are, do they typically, are they typically women and and younger girls, or do you get boys too?
1: Or what kind of patients do you see? I mostly don't see kids. I did that early in my career, but I do see families. So sometimes Mm -hmm. if the parent is, they have, I've mostly seen teenagers. I haven't seen very small kids for years, but the teenagers is mostly their parents are like, "Mm, need some intervention here. We need some help support. And that has resulted in some diagnoses. Thus also I have some adult clients who are untreated but their child is diagnosed so i'm trying to help them understand how to cope and navigate that while really encouraging them because again it's highly hereditary to go get an assessment too absolutely
0: hi there it's sarah again hope you are enjoying the replay i'm thrilled to announce a new tier for the show friends of the show this exclusive Patreon tier offers some sweet perks for those who want to show extra support and also get their name out there. To get started, visit patreon.com slash with ADHD. Please know that some restrictions apply. Oh my goodness. So I, I have so many like off script questions popping into my head that really didn't really work out. But <laughs> Let's go for it. I'm just thinking of all the, I, I hear that so often. I hear that all the time. It, someone um, gets diagnosed because they found out their kids got diagnosed. And then I start thinking Mm -hmm. of all these people who are suddenly being diagnosed. Like, it feels like it's happening so much more now. Is it like, is our knowledge increasing or like, have we always, have we, it just feels like there's so many more people talking about it now and it's, have we all had it the whole time? And we're just learning more about it.
1: What do you think? Mm Mm-hmm. Okay, so we're gonna go way off script for a second yeah. and I'm gonna to try to I draw love. it back as quickly as I can. I love it. So what I've added into my practice most recently is selling superfoods, organic superfoods with a company called Purium. Now, what I have learned through education is if do you know what glyphosate is? No. Mm-mm. Glyphosate? No. Have you heard of Roundup? No, no. Okay, so it's a chemical pesticide that is that was originally marketed as a oral antibiotic. So what we know is they spray this stuff everywhere. We are contaminated with our food source. So what has risen since they started spraying glyphosate in 1980 autism, cancers, inflammatory diseases and ADHD. Oh my
0: gosh, wow. And not just one chemical. Oh, my goodness. Our way of life is killing us in a hundred different ways.
1: A million different ways. A hundred different ways, yes. Mm -hmm. So when you ask the question, is it becoming more prominent? Absolutely. Why is it becoming more prominent? Because, honestly, our food nutritional sources are depleted because of Roundup, because of Mm -hmm. uh, over-farming our land. So there's a number of reasons why, but... Yeah, this is something I've added in. I've been, I started using their supplements in November. And so thus over the last four months I've added my husband in and God bless my daughter this morning. She was like, mommy, I don't feel so like after we ate breakfast, it was like a warm cereal and some homemade blueberry biscuits I made. She was like, I feel full. My tummy hurts. And literally what we're doing is shifting our diet over to more plant-based and using organic superfood supplements to help nourish our bodies. Because even though the food we're getting says like I live in a food desert, I can get part organic. I can get, we do grow a garden, but again, the pesticides are everywhere. So we can't avoid them. So I use the supplementation and she is her body. We're transitioning our bodies to an alkaline state because we can, we consume, too many high acid foods and that's another thing that's killing our bodies as well so i said i wouldn't go too far into that but literally we said we were off now so what's next
0: Yeah, it's hard to talk about this without talking about that. Like it comes up all the time in my work. Like I'll try to, I'm a mental health podcast, but everyone I've been talking to brings this up. Not this specifically, but something tangential to this. Like it all seems Mm -hmm. interconnected. So one one off script question would be, I see a lot of like back and forth. Is this real? Is this backed by science? And it's, I feel like it's gotta be real, but where where do we go if we want to see read the science on it? Do you have any recommendations?
1: I do I do so there's a couple of movies you can watch one is called kiss the ground kiss the ground it's gonna tell you about our over farming and just the chemical pesticides and our rain cycles and how we need to get back to some old practices the second one is game changer it talks about going vegan um but it's more about athletic people, but it is such a powerful message. Like me and my husband watched it first and he was like, okay, you don't have to tell me anything else. I'm on board. But he had actually been using the supplements for about a month, but like we are slowly transitioning to understanding better and making the responsible choices in order to feel better. So Mm -hmm. those are two very good ones that you should watch. And another one, one of my coaches recommended, and I haven't watched it yet, yet it's called what the health. And I've held off on watching that one because it's the one I think that gives the medical history background and why we are in the situation we're in now.
0: Yeah, that that sounds like my weekend viewing. Actually, like I've watched everything on the internet already, so yes. I am excited. I have three new
1: recommendations. <laughs> please do i would love for you to reach out to me or anyone on here because you said you would ask me later but anyone that has more questions later i invite the conversations
0: absolutely Um, so yeah i had this one last question so our listeners there are two more questions but the listeners so they're listening to this and they're like maybe they think they have adhd or they think they have trauma or they know they have both what's the first step when you're trying to untangle all this what do you do
1: Usually when I'm seeing someone in counseling and I think that is the suspected cause, I normally send them to their primary care doctor. If they have a good relationship, a good conversation may be able to cut out a lot of in between sending you for psychoanalyses and all of these things. Like I said, my primary care from the time I was 16 understood something immediately when I said I'm having this anxiety and he's no, no. <laughs> But if yeah, yes. Like I'm so thankful to him because of the, the prevalence of ADHD being misdiagnosed in women Uh, so often.
0: That's a miracle. Wow. So that's the first step is really, if you aren't talking to someone, talk to someone. Absolutely. And then through them, they, they should be able to refer you to the proper channels to sort that out. Is that Yes. yeah you have command of that <laughs> information <laughs> yeah. yes I'm I'm trying to think far back it's very far back I'm trying to think of far back when I was going through all of that and I stumbled into my diagnosis it wasn't even I had trauma and ADHD neither were even on the map but I guess the first step whatever you got you first step is talking to someone
1: um, yeah definitely um,
0: certified and credentialed like yourself who knows what's going on and hopefully you get someone as, as good as you and the doctor you had when you were 16 that's the hope. um yeah that's a whole definitely.
1: Other <laughs> yeah it's my heart goes out because we know how misunderstood adult ADHD is like literally another good resource. If someone's looking for a website, I like Attitude Mag, it was very Mm -hmm. difficult for me to navigate early on, it was busy. But I finally figured it out. And so there is so uh, there is a wealth of information there. And I just send my clients like real brief articles, it doesn't have to be get in there. If you don't find out you are going to continue to struggle. Yep. Hands down. Yep.
0: I completely agree. Candace, this has been such a great interview. And before we go, let's let everyone know, do you have a a website or a blog where people can go and learn more about you?
1: Yes, I do have a website. It's Sankofa. That's S-A-N-K-O-F-A-C-S dot com. I'll send you all of these when we wrap up so you can probably put them in your captions. That's sankofa dot com. I do have an Instagram. It's Baker. It's my first name, C-A-N-D-A-C-E dot B, mm-hmm. the number eight, K-E-R. So an eight instead of an A from my last name. And then I do have a Facebook page. Candace Baker and then my business page, Sancopa of Arkansas, is linked to it. And I also have a profile on psychology today. So if you remember any of those things, finally, somewhere, just Google me. Yeah. Candace Baker in Arkansas. I think I should pop up. Yeah,
0: I think you did. I think I did Google you before the interview to prep, and I saw your profile right there. That's wonderful. And I'm going to link all this in the show notes. So if you're listening, don't feel like you have to write all this down. Just go to your show notes, and it'll all be linked up right there. Candace, thank you so much. It was so wonderful to have this conversation with you. Thank you for having me, Sarah.